Welcome to the Social Pros Podcast, the content marketing awards winner for best marketing podcast. This is where we shine the spotlight on real people doing real work in social media and learn the social secrets of the world's most interesting brands. Social Pros is sponsored by integrated PR software from Cision, by the easy to use farm builder FarmStack, by social audience analysis software Affinio, and by social media engagement software from Sprout Social. Your Social Pros co-hosts are Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud and Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. Ready? Let's get to work. Welcome, everybody, to Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined by my esteemed co-host, who has taken this show to new heights. He is the executive strategist at Salesforce Marketing Cloud, the one, the only, my special Texas friend, Mr. Adam Brown. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Jay. Hope you are well. I I am pretty well. I'm uh, I'm on the grind right now. It is a uh, heavy travel season for for Jay. Uh, so I'm a little uh, uncertain as to what uh, place I am in. I'm actually at home uh, temporarily for a few hours. Uh, I also had a tough weekend of football. Uh, my uh, my Arizona Wildcats, my alma mater, were de- defeated by Washington of all people, forty nine to three. Uh, and my Nebraska Huskers, Ouch. my whole my whole family is from Nebraska, so I'm really a Huskers fan. Back to uh, as an infant, I was born in Nebraska. As a matter of fact, uh, lost to Purdue, uh, lost to Purdue in a football game. Uh, as one prominent sports not writer, basketball here, yeah, not basketball. <laughs> as one prominent sports writer tweeted. R.I.P. Nebraska football, uh, and uh, that that pretty much says it all. So a little bit uh, a little bit of a struggle on the gridiron, as they say, uh, but brighter days are ahead. I hope. I, I hope so too. And to keep the football theme, I'm actually heading to my alma mater, the University of Tennessee, this weekend for a uh, for a little meeting there and getting to go to the South Carolina Tennessee game. Ooh, that'll be good. A little resurgence, a little resurgence there for it's the Vols. A, the Vols are back a little bit. It, it is. It, it is, and it's going to be a no Steve Spurrier uh, Gamecocks game. So again, we're not going to turn this into a football and sports uh, podcast. We should do that. I did want to kind of put put a little shout out there to my uh, shout out to the Vols. Well, given how much uh, I've been traveling, we have a particularly appropriate guest on the program today. He is the digital content manager for Tripcase. It is Ricky Cadden, uh, whose last name is like John Madden with the C, so he's got a little football intelligentsia in him as well. Ricky, thanks so much for being on social pros yeah thanks so much for having me you bet uh tell us a little bit about uh, about Tripcase. uh i'm familiar with the app other folks who listen to the show may or may not be tell us a little bit about how it works we've had very few guests in the esteemed almost 200 episode history of the show who actually represent uh what is essentially a a, a mobile application so we would love to hear more about uh, the features and functions of Tripcase. Yeah, so um, Tripcase is a mobile app. We're um, on iPhone and Android, and then we have uh, Apple Watch app. So if you're uh, wrist inclined, we've got you covered. And we have an Android Wear app coming out soon, and then support for Samsung's Tizen devices um, as well. So uh, Tripcase is a mobile travel app. When you travel, you obviously have a flight. You might have a hotel, maybe a car rental, meetings, all these types of things. And normally, you'd have to have like you'd search through your email and try to find all these reservations and confirmation codes and things like that. With Tripcase, we put that all in one place for you, and then uh, we provide alerts for free. So um, if your flight changes, if your gate changes, if it's delayed, we'll pop up an alert on whatever device you're using and let you know. Um, Typically, we're actually sometimes um, faster than the airline. I've personally had a flight where um, Tripcase alerted me 20 minutes before the flight alerted me that the flight was canceled. Uh, and I was at the airport, so I was at the gate, and I got notice uh, quite a bit ahead of time from when the actual like, gate agent. So uh, not doesn't happen all the time, but we, we do have um, some really fast notifications. Uh, we also integrate with a lot of partners. So for instance, we were one of uh, Uber's API partners. So we know what airport you're at, we know what hotel you need to get to. And so within the Tripcase app, you can press one button and we'll automatically pull in um, time estimates and rate estimates for Uber so that you can get a ride quickly. Um, so, so that's Tripcase kind of in a nutshell. Uh, we're owned by Sabre, so Sabre um, powers most of the travel industry. Uh, we've got, um, I believe it's uh, a little over 100 different airlines where if you book with these airlines or we have a, a over 110,000 travel agents where if you book through one of these, then your trips just automatically pop up in Tripcase. You don't have to do anything, which is super cool. 
And um, otherwise, you can just forward your confirmations to trips at tripcase.com. We'll parse all the information out of it and automatically add it to your trip. Um, there's still some uh, instances where you'd have to manually enter your stuff, but we're working to minimize that as much as possible to make it as easy as possible for travelers. Is there a fee associated with, with Tripcase? There is not. Um, we are we do not have a pro version or any app purchases right now, so um, you get all that feature just for free um, on whatever app you're using. And then we obviously have a desktop um, client as well if you just want to log in on the web and look at all your trip stuff. That's a lot of functionality for free. It's kind of a no-brainer. Like, why would somebody, even if you don't travel a lot, why would you not want to do that? Is kind of the way I think about sure. it. Yeah, so um, that's what we hope people think. And uh, we actually just also launched in uh, eight additional languages. So you can use Tripcase in nine different languages now. So if you're uh, an international traveler and you'd like to use it in simplified Chinese, Japanese, Korean, Spanish, Portuguese, and a couple others, then uh, we've got you covered as well. As I understand it, you are uh, essentially the the digital department at Tripcase. You're you're doing uh, website stuff and email stuff and social stuff and everything else. Um, how how do you balance all of that? That that that's a lot of things to pay attention to uh, as as one individual for um, a product and, a, and an app that that has a lot of tentacles to it. It is. Uh, it's a lot of fun. A lot of time management skills uh, that I'm still constantly honing, but. Um, a large part of it is just kind of identifying what's going to bring you a return and what's not. So, for instance, within social, uh, obviously travel, you could do some really cool things in Pinterest or uh, Instagram, but realistically speaking, um, it's not necessarily going to bring that immediate return. So some of these areas in which I've had to identify is like, look, we could do this at some point, but for right now we need to focus on our core. So we really focus on um, limiting to the, the highest return items. So email is one, item, one area where I was able to pick up because I saw, hey, we could do this and we could get some really cool engagement from this. So let's focus on this and, and social. Keep it going and make sure that we're, we're there and doing a good job there. Um, but it may not necessarily be our big focus right now. So kind of keeping that um, and then pulling in great partners. Uh, we've got some, some great agency partners that we, we work with as well. When it comes to social media in particular, Ricky, are you thinking as an organization that that social is intended to introduce people to Tripcase and say, look at these amazing features and it's all free and you should download this and use it? Or is it intended to interact with current customers, get them to advocate on your behalf, tell their friends, sort of generate that, that word of mouth uh, viral effect? It's a little bit of both. So uh, within paid, we primarily focus on gaining new users. So we run app install ads that are highly targeted. Uh, we almost don't run anything just generically. It's, it's always to a custom audience or something that's going to be very targeted so that it's appropriate for who's seeing it. And then within our actual content strategy, it's mostly for our existing users. But we do a lot of travel tips that even if you don't currently use Tripcase, you would get a, you would get uh, utility out of this because hey, you know we're helping you travel smarter. Maybe find some cool destinations that you haven't thought of, or an interesting way to pack your suit jacket, or things like that. So um, within organic content and kind of our uh, the stuff that we push out is primarily engagement with travelers. And um, then from a paid perspective, that's where we really focus on gaining new users and signups and app installs and things like that. You have said that Twitter is your most important channel today for Tripcase. That That's not always the case for guests on the Social Pros podcast. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. Uh, I'd love to hear why Twitter is uh, is the most important venue for you uh, today and, and if your usage of Twitter has, has changed in some way uh, over the last year or so. Yeah, um, Twitter is definitely where we get the most engagement. So within the app, we have a couple of different places where you can post um, publicly on, on social. So if your trip is coming up in the trip feed, which is kind of a messaging area um, within the app, we have a message that says, hey, you know, tell your friends that you're traveling with Tripcase. And when you push that, it pops up a pre-populated tweet that says something to the effect of, thanks to Tripcase, I'm ready for my trip to, and then we dynamically insert the city. And then it's got a couple of features, you know, with free flight alerts and things like that. And um, that's one of our most commonly used trip feed messages. And so when that goes out, I'm monitoring that. And so I can respond directly to those travelers. I know, one, it helps me identify who our travelers are so I can follow them back, uh, which kind of gets some organic follow muju going. 
and then um, I have a way that I can respond to them that's interesting. So when I first started, that message did not have any uh, dynamically inserted information, so it was just canned for everybody, and it didn't have any sort of media attached to it. So one of the changes that I made about a year ago was uh, I worked with my product team to say, hey, can we put any sort of uh, specific information in this tweet that doesn't give away any you know, security things like a date or anything like that, because some people are, are um, sensitive about that. So let's just put the destination. They could be going to that you know, tomorrow. They could be going just by reading the tweet. You don't really know when they're traveling. You just know where they're headed at some point in the near future. And then we added um, a, a YouTube link to one of our videos so that when their followers see that, they've got a little bit of context. They've, I have something that I can respond to meaningfully with from the brand. And then uh, it shows up nice in the feed with the, the video preview and things like that. So um, that's where we get the most engagement. We also, uh, if you think about our audience, so most of our audience is business travelers who are um, you know, manager level or above. And so the likelihood that they're going to use Facebook for anything other than family engagement is pretty slim. Uh, so we don't get a lot of engagement on Facebook, which is not surprising, again, given the audience. Whereas Twitter, um, even though Twitter has, has fewer users, the people that do use Twitter, especially from a, management, a management standpoint and kind of higher level um, employees, they're, they're more likely to, to use Twitter and to engage with, with brands on Twitter versus Facebook, whereas Facebook tends to be kind of a little bit more private. So uh, for us, Twitter's been, been awesome, um, and it allows us some great targeting capabilities as well. One of the things that you're doing on the content marketing side that I love is the Tripcase blog, which is very much uh, in the spirit of, of utility. It's content so useful that, that people would pay for it. And it's content that isn't really about Tripcase per se, but is very much of interest to the traveler, especially your frequent business traveler. Uh, one of your recent posts was uh, best laptops for, for business travelers. Just lots of really interesting content like that. Can you talk about that philosophy? And, and how that blog uh, gets gets created and sort of how that fits into the overall strategy? Yeah, so um, the blog is a, is a crucial part for us. It's part of our marketing website, which is the part that I manage. So it's everything on the public side of the login screen. And um, a lot of the content there provides, you know, details about the app. Here's how it works. Here's the features and things like that. But to your point, what we wanted to focus on was how can we make this information useful to somebody who's just a traveler? And, and if we can get travelers and provide travelers value before they even know about our app, then they're more likely to be like, oh, this app is helping me travel smarter. Maybe the app itself is good. So um, coming from that philosophy, it's, it was really about how can we provide value to travelers and, and content that they're going to find interesting, that they're going to want to share, as opposed to just check out our features. Here's this new feature and things like that, which we still pepper in. We still do release change logs and things like that. But um, the big focus has been on... Um, Post like so we have a couple of categories. One is Wanderlust. Even though we're not a booking tool, um, we can help you find places where you would want to go travel. So we do. Um, I think in the summertime we had the top five pools around the world and um, you know top five um, great winter destinations, things like that. Where it's just kind of highlighting some interesting places. Uh, one of my favorite posts was we actually did a poll that I sent around the office. It was a um, a form that I had our employees fill out because we all travel quite a bit as well. Obviously, our our main office is here in uh, in Texas, but we also have a product team uh, in Krakow, Poland, and then we have a, a customer care team in uh, Montevideo. And so we travel to the various offices all the time. Uh, Sabre itself has offices everywhere, and we go to events and, and things like that. So as we're traveling, I said, hey, what's what's your favorite restaurant that you found that's not likely to be on a TripAdvisor list? Um, so kind of pulling our internal resources and finding out what what's some things that you've discovered just while you're traveling and, and highlighting that. And so the, the content there is definitely geared towards um, what would a traveler find interesting. And then we, we sprinkle in case uh, features and, uh, and mentions as appropriate but not awkward. So um, if we're talking about restaurants, we have a feature called Remember This Place, which lets you automatically um, really quickly save a location to your trip case so that when you um, let's say you get back in a month after your trip, you've got a friend that's going to Chicago, and you just got back from Chicago. They could say, hey, did you find any good restaurants? And instead of having to dig through your Foursquare history or or look through your receipts or anything, you could just pull up your Tripcase app, scroll back to that trip, and see, oh, yeah, I was at this restaurant. You know, it was great or it wasn't great or, or whatever the, the commentary may be. So we would put that room to this place feature as a, you know, 
these restaurants are really awesome, and don't forget when you're traveling, if you if you find a cool restaurant, you can just use the Remember This Place. And it's just a link. We don't go into like a big you know explanation of the feature there. It's a helpful link. So hey, if you want to know more about this feature, it's over here. But for right now, here's the the great content that you actually came for, uh, and it's been performing really well. Um, we've seen a, a big increase in organic. Uh, organic traffic, uh, keyword ranking, and things like that. So we're definitely looking at these metrics. And then the bonus for me, because I also do email, is this content also powers our uh, email newsletter. So we send a newsletter roughly once a month. We, we do monthly releases. Um, and so every time there's a release, we, we send a newsletter out with the details of you know what's changed in the release and what's any new features or anything like that. And then I try to include three or four just kind of interesting content like that uh, that's appropriate for the season, it's appropriate for the time. And um, I get that content from our top performing blog post. So I see it's going to perform really well on the blog, or maybe it resonated really good within social. That helps me narrow down which of the which of these blog posts are put in these four slots in the newsletter. And Ricky, I'll tell you, I mean, it's that intersection of of data that really gets me excited. And I think it's something about this the space that you're in, the travel, the hospitality space. There just seems to be this um, kind of over-indexing, if you will, of frequent travelers uh, being involved in, in social. And I love how you're, you're inhaling and exhaling data to be able to, to make the product more feature-rich, but also to kind of bring as me as a frequent traveler, or Jay, information kind of about where we're going. Talk a little bit further about that and how you, you work with the different parts of, uh, of your organization. You said you're kind of the one-person marketing department there at Tripcase, but as you kind of hear of, of ways that people are using it, like you said, that, that ability to kind of target uh, a particular trip or a particular aspect of your trip, how are you working and approaching the product development people, the technologists, as well as the senior leadership uh, to kind of be able to make the product that much better? Yeah, so um, I, we we have uh, monthly meetings with our product team to get an idea of the roadmap and, and put some input in there, uh, specifically features that, that we know people want that we can hear. So um, a great example is our notification center. So we used to have just an all-out unsubscribe or subscribe to all notifications. And talking with our product team and listening to customers, we saw that there's an opportunity to make that a lot more granular. So we split out the types of emails and notifications that you would get from Tripcase into five or six different categories, so pre-trip, during your trip, you know, things like that. And, and so that's now a feature within the, within the services. You can log into your profile and you can say, you know what, I really don't want emails about uh, during my trip, I just want push notifications, or, or vice versa. You may not want any push notifications, but you want all the emails you can get. And so um, adding that capability then allows me to understand what, what the travelers want and, and kind of fine-tune the emails. And then on the reverse side, um, I've been working with my product team. So, so we have the email newsletter, and then we also have nine trigger-based emails that I launched um, in the past year where if you've done a certain thing or you haven't done a certain thing, then you'll get an email. And today, I had to work with my product team initially just to get those triggers because we use a different email service than our, our Tripcase database. And so we had to make that, um, that tie together um, so that we had that availability. So, for instance, today... Um, Three weeks before your trip, you get a pre-trip email that just says, hey, you know, if you've got a trip in, because you, you would typically get an email 24 hours before your trip that says, hey, you're about to leave, don't forget to check into your flight and things like that. But there was also an opportunity a lot earlier than that to, you know, people that put a trip in six, seven months in advance, 24 hours is a little bit abrupt. And so we said, what if we did it three weeks and what kind of value would we add to that email? So today it adds a little bit of value in terms of planning some, um, Volunteerism is, is a big thing that's that we're seeing a lot of uh, increase in. So we have an, a blog post in that email about volunteerism and then some about just kind of um, booking attractions and saving money and things like that. Um, and I'm working with the product team, though, is if I can find out what the destination is of that trip in my email service, then I could send, I could make that email even more useful. And I could say, hey, I noticed that you're going to, you know, your trip to the southern hemisphere, worst case scenario in three weeks is coming up, here's the weather. Or, um, you know, here's some travel tips, some culture things that you may want to keep in mind if you're going to China, um, things like that. So that's where I'm working with the product teams. I'm saying, here's the content that I already have. Here's the ways that I would like to improve the content if you can get me this data. Uh, and then they work on, on getting that data passed through. So uh, we're really trying to do, uh, we mentioned earlier, uh, resources are tied. Obviously, I'm a one-man 
um, team for, for this specific function. And so whatever targeting we can do, whatever personalization I can do, that's going to make everything that I do perform even better because um, nobody likes mass anything, right? That's, you know, that's the worst. It would almost be better to not do it than just to not amass everything. Um, so, so targeting and using that personalization data um, is, is really crucial, and we're, we're passing that back and forth between us and the product team. And it sounds as though you know, you know the, uh, the, the, the Tripcase tool and, and really the category is, is really about being a kind of data aggregator and that you have an open API, and you mentioned earlier on you know, your, your partnership with Uber and being able to kind of overlay onto that API as well as others. Um, are you working with those, those other organizations, or is that another part of the department? And do you, do you see that kind of as, as a future of, uh, of applications like this, where the, the whole is kind of greater than the sum of its parts, and that it's those connections to other places that a traveler's data may live, you know, begins to, uh, to rise up? Obviously, being part of Sabre, you have the world's largest database of, of travel information, but still, the Uber example, I think, is, is really poignant. Yeah, um, so we have our uh, bus a business development team who works specifically on kind of identifying these partnerships, and then our product team will reach out. Um, in fact, our um, one of our product team was over at my desk yesterday. Um, we now integrate with American Airlines Baggage Tracker. So within your app, um, there's a message down there. If you're flying on American Airlines, you'll see this message. If you're flying on you know, um, Southwest, you won't see this message. And so it'll take you a, a quick link directly to um, be able to track your bag based on your flight and things like that. So um, both the product team and our business development team are always looking for opportunities where we can integrate with other partners uh, to make that trip experience better. Our, our whole goal is what, what can we add value to a traveler to make their trip as easy and as smooth as possible so that they can enjoy the actual trip and not stress about all these little details that we can take care of for them. Um, so to that point, I mean, we're, we're talking with uh, you know, a number of different partners as to how we can make that uh, a lot smoother, a lot better. You mentioned two ways, Ricky, that you kind of measure the performance and the success of your activities, and that is getting people to, to download the app and then getting people to, to repeat use, to, to use the app again and again. And my guess is the way you look at that and the way that you approach that and the way that you um, make that happen, especially with the repeat usage, is very different. Talk a little bit about how you're using email and, and social and other you know, activities to kind of surround sound people who've already downloaded your app. It sits there. We, we all know the statistics that the average person, I think, has like 35 apps on their iPhone. They use like six or seven. How do you get, uh, in your case, Tripcase to be one of those hallowed, this is the go-to app I use on my iPhone whenever I'm traveling? Yeah, so obviously uh, social, kind of having that continuous conversation of, uh, of content that's helpful for travelers. So when they see that in their Facebook feed, they see that it comes from us, uh, and, and that kind of keeps the brand fresh in your mind because, let's face it, not everybody travels every day, uh, hopefully. Um, most of our travelers you know, travel a couple well, times. Everybody except for Jay. Yeah. Right, you know, Jay's an exception. Um, so, so social kind of helps us keep that conversation always on. And then um, the email program, the, the trigger-based emails that we launched earlier are really crucial for that. So what we identified there was uh, what are some opportunities where we could inspire um, actual action. So for instance, um, we have a number of trips that just have a flight and they haven't really seen the benefit yet of adding their hotel within Tripcase. Um, and so we set up an email. So roughly two weeks before your trip, if, you, if your trip's coming up and you only have a flight, odds are you're probably going to sleep somewhere on your trip. And so we'll send you an email about two two weeks before that says, hey, you know, make sure you add your trip, your hotel in Tripcase. Here's the reasons why. Because if you have your hotel, then Uber becomes super useful for you. Uh, we also integrate with a service called Checkmate, which lets you um, check in from your phone to certain hotels if they support it. Uh, I actually used this on um, a trip to Social Fresh a couple weeks ago, and it was awesome. The hotel, um, it takes me to a web form where I could fill out um, any preferences I have, if I want extra pillows or if I want, you know, the type of room and things like that. It also let me tell the hotel um, a lot more accurate time as to when I would arrive. So I had a little drop down that said, you know, before two, between two and four, after four, so that the hotel could have more information to have my room ready. And then the hotel follows that up with um, some text messages so that when I landed, I could just text the hotel and say, hey, I just landed, it'll be there in you know, 30 minutes or however long it takes to get from the airport to the hotel. And they were able to have my room ready, even though it was a little bit before normal check-in. 
Um, so, so we integrate with services like Checkmate, and then we have um, some some other content in, in that email. So the email itself is just saying, hey, just add your hotel to Tripcase. That's it. And so um, today, that email just basically takes you to the login screen so that you can log into Tripcase. And that's one of the projects that I have with our, our product team is like, hey, how can I identify? We need to make this um, connection because everything we do is digital, right? That's one of the benefits of, of being an app is I don't have retail stores where I lose that connection of what did marketing do that caused an action. So I can tell um, who, who received this email. I can say who opened the email. And then I can work with my product team to make that connection of did that person actually then add a trip? Did they add a trip directly from that email or did they add it maybe within 48 hours of opening that email? You know, It triggered that reminder and they said, oh, I need to go find my hotel confirmation and do that. Um, so those are the types of things that that I'm working on with our product team to make that connection so that I can say in, in real-world facts, I can say, yeah, we sent this email to, I don't know, 100,000 travelers today, and you know, 40% 40, 40 of them opened it, so 40,000 people didn't, didn't have a hotel in their trip, and then by two days later, of those specific 40,000 people, you know, 20,000 of them now have a hotel. That's a business metric that that email just drove. And so wow. making those connections is is super powerful and, and that's what I'm I'm working towards. So so step one was let's just get these emails going so that we can get a benchmark, we can get some some open rates, some effective rates, things like that that I can kind of start to measure. And now I can work with my product team. They have a use case where they can say, man, if we could connect this, so it, it benefits them um, because one of one of the cool things I've been learning about being within software, I've been in retail before, so being in software is a whole nother ballgame is there's a minute, uh, an infinite amount of ideas of things that we could do, but there's a finite amount of resources in terms of coders, time, things like that. Um, and so anytime that I can show my product team, hey, if you assign resources to this, this is what you'll get. And for marketing, that's really powerful because everything that a product team, look, you know, they say, if I spend four hours building this feature, it has to drive something. They don't have four hours to just be like, oh, this would be, you know, fun for the day or whatever. Um, so so the, the onus is on me to provide them a, an example of here's what I could do if you could do this and here's what it looks like today. Uh, and so that's been really great conversations and we're, we're really excited to, to start making those ties and connections so that we can prove, hey, marketing's actually inspiring real world action that's actively driving business metrics. And my, my assumption is having those proof points probably means so much when you're sitting down with technologists and, and non-marketing people because they can see, again, that, that real data and that those, those real actions taking place and the, and the cause and effect of, of everything that, that you're doing. I know, Ricky, one of the other things in areas that you lead as digital content manager at Tripcase is around search engine optimization and search engine marketing. In fact, Oftentimes, I bet a lot of people listening to the podcast today have that double duty of doing the SEO, SEM, as well as the social. Are you using kind of any social data to inform any of your SEO and SEM? I know when I led social at Dell, we used social listening uh, to be able to kind of do some linguistic analysis and to inform the keywords that we bought um, as as AdWords, are you doing anything like that, and are you seeing the intersection of search and social coming together, or or, or breaking or breaking back apart? Oh, absolutely. Um, one of the the tricks to to search engine optimization and marketing is is uh, to your point identifying those keywords and and very specifically. So um, something like um, even Tripcase itself. Are we a mobile travel app? Mobile itinerary? Uh, technically, we're a uh, mobile itinerary management app. Nobody would use that in a normal conversation. You would not sit down on a flight next to a guy who's obviously you know, traveling every day and be like, hey, so what travel itinerary management app do you use? That's just not a part of the vernacular. And so identifying what that vernacular is, because the, the vernacular that you would use within speech is the same way that most consumers are going to type into the Google search box. And so, um, so absolutely, we, we use social listening to identify what, what is our competitors talking about, what are, what are our customers talking about, and what is the conversation around content that we push out. So when we push out something around notification settings, um, is that the way that consumers talk back to us about it, or do they call it something else? So do we say, you know, we have new notification settings, and they say, oh, so I can do, you know, email, I don't know, 
notification is kind of a universal one, but what, what's the way that a consumer talks about that? And those are the keywords that we need to go after, not necessarily the keywords that we would call it, because um, just because we call it something doesn't mean that's how somebody's going to search for it or how they're going to actually talk about it to their friends. And that's the, the way that they're going to talk about it to their friends. That's the one that you need to be all over. And I love the way you've got those woven together. Uh, it's interesting. It's it's so much stuff to do for one person, but it makes me think that in some cases it's an advantage just being one person because you don't have to sit down and and get a bunch of other people involved and explain the methodology and say here's how these things work together. You you sort of have it in your head, uh, and you can actually execute on it. So to some degree, I think it's it's maybe an advantage. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I work closely, so we have um we have a a uh, person on my team that focuses on international, so uh, she's over all the international content. So once we create something for English, she's responsible for identifying, is this going to resonate within these various other languages, and how do we translate it, and things like that. Um, and then we have another person on our team who focuses on paid. So he actually executes paid campaigns, uh, and I influence the content for that campaign. So he's going to run an app install, and I say, yeah, this is how we're talking about the app. You know, this is the visuals, and things like that. And then we have graphic designers. So uh, I don't necessarily do absolutely everything, but it is beneficial to to have that kind of core in one place uh, because I can execute across that and and know that the when I'm writing a blog post, I already know what the keywords that I need to kind of sprinkle throughout that is. I don't have to send it back to an editor later to say, okay, here's the blog post. Now you know, bust open your thesaurus and figure out how to <laughs> work in these these keywords, nice. uh, which we've all done at one point or, or another. Um, and, and the same within social is I, I know what blog posts are coming up and I know what I've posted recently within social that resonated. So that helps me identify, you know, what, what types of blog posts do I need more of? What type of social content do I need more of? Yeah. For instance, for us on Facebook, um, our blog posts don't necessarily always perform the best. It's when we share um, links, external links, so Lifehacker or HuffPost Travel, things like that, um, that are that are timely and they're appropriate, and then we ask some sort of engaging you know question around that. So um, one we had recently was a Lifehacker article on um, airport lounges, the best airport lounges around the world, and so and that content did really well on Facebook, but it didn't really do so well for us in Twitter. Um, so so knowing those kind of where that content works can help me identify okay what blog post do I need to shuffle out the door quicker, or which ones can I kind of sit on and wait for the need to arise uh, and things like that. So it, it works both ways. I love it. We're going to take just a second to recognize the sponsors of this week's episode of the Big Social Pros podcast named Best Marketing Podcast in the 2015 Content Marketing Awards. As always, the show is brought to you by our friends at Salesforce who have the good sense of employing Mr. Adam Brown. Uh, you should, as soon as you're done listening to this episode, jump on some sort of a browser. Number one, you should probably get some trip case. Number two, you should download Winning at Social, Four Steps to Enhance Your Social Media Strategy. Uh, it's available at convinceandconvert.com slash 27, convinceandconvert.com slash the number 27. Uh, fantastic ebook brought to you by Adam and his team at Salesforce, uh, Four Steps to Enhance Your Social Media Strategy. You're going to learn a lot. I learned a lot. You will as well. It is free from our friends at Salesforce. Also this week, uh, brought to you, the podcast brought to you by our friends at Formstack, which I use every single day for all the forms uh, across the Convince and Convert Media uh, Empire. Super easy to set up forms, to A-B test forms. Uh, really, really useful. You don't need to get IT involved. Uh, they have a terrific uh, ebook that you should download. Speaking of A-B testing, it is how to actually do effective A-B testing of your forms uh, and how to uh, implement different tests that will increase your conversion rate. Everybody likes that. You can get the special A-B testing forms ebook from our friends at Formstack at convinceandconvert.com slash 32. Convinceandconvert.com slash the number 32. And last this week, uh, the show was brought to you by our friends at Affinio. Man, I love these guys. Uh, super deep network analysis. They take a look at your social audience and figure out uh, who your most uh, powerful uh, advocates are, what uh, content your 
audiences are sharing, most popular hashtags, most popular photos, most popular websites, really interesting stuff. All the guests on the Social Pros podcast get a free report from Affinio. So we'll be sending one of those to Ricky all about Tripcase. You can learn more yourself. In fact, they just raised a bunch of money in a new uh, financing round. So that's pretty cool for those guys as well. Congrats to Affinio. Go to convinceandconvert.com slash nine. Convinceandconvert.com slash the number nine to learn more about Affinio. Adam. Ricky, Jay, uh, Jay touched on this a little bit, but I have to tell you, I'm, I'm kind of envious of, of your role because you get to do so many different things. One of the, I think, the benefits uh, of being in social media, uh, which can also be one of the challenges, is you have to wear a lot of different hats. But I think for people who maybe have a slight bit of uh, ADD, and, which is me, uh, that's that's perfect because you get to do a lot of different things. You get to learn. You get to work at that intersection of art and science. Work at the intersection of traditional and and, and social media. I'd love to to kind of hear how you got to this point uh, at, at Tripcase and and kind of your career, because I think as 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 people listen to this podcast every week, you know they they want to kind of get some tips and tricks on how they can continue to move and matriculate both in the organization that they're in, as well as move to, uh, to other organizations, big and small. So how, how did you get started uh, kind of doing the, the social thing? Yeah, so uh, I actually started um, my own tech blog in 2006. Uh, it was focused on Nokia's Symbian-powered smartphones. And um, it, I actually started that because I found a news story and I found myself emailing it to all the tech blogs that I read. And after about five of them, I said, well, this is stupid. I could just make my own, and then they could all link to that. So I did that, and um, so um, started mainly just writing content and, uh, and kind of building that and focusing on, on content and writing uh, reviews and news and things like that and, and editorials on, on various things. And so I was doing that when social kind of picked up, and so I had to start doing social um, to support the blog. So I had um, you know a Twitter account for the blog and a Facebook page and things like that. And um, that was going really well, and then I got married and, and started thinking about family, and I was like, man, I should really get a job that had you know, actual benefits as opposed to just this, you know, maybe a, an Amazon affiliates check every now and again and things like that. So um, looked around and identified what company do I really want to do, do I, do I like, do I think is really cool, and that I could do social for, because I really enjoyed the social part of, um, of my site, which was called Symbian Guru. And so um, I identified Radio Shack. Radio Shack is based here in Fort Worth, and so it made an easy decision. And um, kind of in a roundabout way, got my way into the social um, team at Radio Shack, worked with uh, Adrian Parker, who's been on the show before. And um, that was where I really had to learn how to do social. So the blog was focused on content first, and then social all pointed to the blog. Um, but at Radio Shack, they kind of had a blog, but social really already had all the... the um, the audience and the engagement and, and things like that. So uh, I really had to focus on on learning how to do social. And so I did social at Radio Shack for um, three or four years, and it was fun. We did some really awesome, awesome, cool stuff that I'm really proud of. And then I kind of was like, you know what, social is really cool, but I kind of miss this other stuff that I used to do, you know, managing the back end of, um, of Symbian Guru and, and writing um, long-form content and things like that. And I really wanted to, to branch out of just being the social guy and, and see what else could I do. And so Tripcase came along, and um, their social was basically a couple of usernames and passwords, and, and that was kind of it. And they said, we really need somebody to, to establish, you know, figure social out. So I started doing that, and, um, and it, it was a nice change. And I was looking around, and I said, man, we're spending a lot of budget on this email program. Are we doing anything with it? Because I was actually looking to get the budget for me. And I said, you know, if we're not going to use this, this email service provider, then we should cancel it, and I should get that budget to do cool things in social. And they said, well, we can't really cancel it. We're in a contract. But if you want to do email, you know, we, we could use a newsletter. We had, they had had a newsletter before, and, you know, it just wasn't a focus and things like that. So I said, okay, well, I've never done email before, but that sounds, sounds like a good time. So um, started the, the newsletter and, and built that. And, and I've always – I'm not really a coder. I wish that I was. Uh, if I could go back to college, I would hands down take as many coding classes as I could because that's really where everything's at today. But you um, both. I, like, ser- I wish I wish I could go back and tell my past self is like, don't look at any of this marketing stuff. Look at all coding, but I can't. So whatever. Um, so, but HTML. I, I've always written in HTML when I blogged. I usually wrote just in, in raw HTML because it's easier, oddly. And um, so eight. Email is just basically HTML. You build it, and then you send it out, and you see how it performs. It's, it's instant gratification, even more so than social to me. 
Um, and so, so I did worked on email, and then um, I, I said, you know, we really need some content for this social um, to to push out instead of just linking to everybody else's stuff. So that was really where I said, okay, what we've got this blog, we've got some content set up. What can we really do to to build this? And so a lot of it was just filling a need that I that I had. And so um, so thus far at Tripcase, like I said, I've been able to expand out instead of just being the social guy. I, I actively looked for opportunities like what what do we need to have that nobody's currently doing today. And, and how can I take that over and, and do that? Um, I've, I've always been a big fan of um, if you want something done, do it. And don't just ask somebody else to do it. So um, so I, I needed email. So boom, I said, I'll, I'll do email and I'll take that on. And then I said, well, I need content for my social. So I said, well, I'll take this website on and we'll, and we'll optimize that and, and do that. So um, so that's really where um, how I've gotten into to social as I started. Uh, my first job out of college was actually in ad sales um, for Time Warner Cable. And man, I was horrible at it. So um, I started the blog on the side while I was doing that because I, I realized that that was not a career path for me. So so now I'm in social, and now I do um, all digital. So anything that's digital that faces the consumer is is me. One of the things that you you mentioned to uh, to Jay and me when uh, before the before we started recording was how you didn't start out as a is is liking to to write, um, and you even uh, had a, a a moment in time where you and I think you said fifth grade where you got removed from your honors English class because you just hated writing book reports. And and today, I mean, look at how you're a, you're a gifted storyteller, uh, and it's you know it's moved from your blog to all the content that you're creating uh, there at uh, there there at Tripcase. How, what what changed it for you? And what advice would you give to to people listening in terms of how they need to build those those writing chops and those uh, those storytelling chops? Obviously, this is something I'm passionate about. Jay is, of course, the uh, the, the, the the famous and, and and very prolific author of the three of us. I know he feels the the same way. But any any tips that you'd give uh, people listening? I I don't really know how I transitioned from. Um I always actually found math really easy in school. Uh, I was always in honors math and pre-algebra and all that kind of stuff, and it always just seemed really simple to me. Um, and then writing was always a pain in the pain in the backside, uh, especially taking English class in like in elementary and middle school. I was always really frustrated because I was like, why do I have to take English? I speak this every day. I don't need to learn more. You know, this was the immature immature thought process. But really and truly, uh, I just started writing and writing anything. So um, I, I had my blog, I had symbianguru.com. Um, I've also had rickycadden.com, and it's just a WordPress blog. I get maybe, it, the readership kind of varies depending on what I write on, but I write on there as, as often as I can, um, just because it, it gets the juices flowing. And, and oftentimes what I'll do um, when I start writing a blog post, even at Tripcase, is I'll just start writing literally whatever's in my head uh, man, I have to write this blog post, and it's going to be kind of a pain, but I need to get it done, and and just this like stream of thought, and then eventually that transitions into the actual content, and then I go back and delete the the stuff at the beginning. Um, and that's been a trick that I've had to use my entire career is just start writing. If I sit there and try to think out and try to map out, okay, what's this blog post? You know, what's the structure and all this kind of stuff? It'll never get done. Um, and and that's most people like to read conversational things anyways. So if you're writing in that kind of conversational um, voice, then it, it gets you the practice of writing. So I've even gotten to the point now where once I have like a, a, a situation happen to me, um, I'll start writing about it. And in my head, like I'll in my head, I'll be writing the blog post and thinking through, okay, the paragraph should start like this. I need to mention that. And, and that's only because I've been writing for so long um, but you have to build that habit. Writing's not necessarily, to me, it's not something that I just sit down and like, okay, I'm going to write right now. Uh, you have to build that habit of whenever something happens to you, write it down. Um, you know, carry a notepad with you or, uh, you know, use the notes app on your phone. It doesn't really matter where or what format. Uh, although I'm preference to handwriting just because it's becoming a lost art. Mine's horrible, but I still try to practice it. Um, but just actually sitting down and start typing and start typing anything and eventually that's going to turn into something and even if it doesn't now you've gotten all the junk out of your fingers you can start writing real stuff um so that would be that's probably the the best way that I've is just always keep doing it um and and you'll you'll get better at it as you do it 
I think that's fantastic advice, Ricky. I do the same thing. Um, I don't do it as much as I used to because I don't blog as frequently as as I used to. Um, I tend to divert more energies into podcasts now and and uh, in books and things. Uh, I used to do the daily video, but but now uh, I don't do that quite as much. But I used to always keep a, a a file on my phone of blog post ideas, and I'd have some sort of moment of inspiration, and I'd jot down a couple words thinking, yeah, that's going to be a great blog post when I get around to it. Then I'd go back and look at the list. I'd be like, what the hell does, like, <laughs> what, what does platypus shake mean? Like, what? What was like, I could never figure out like what my actual intention was, uh, and I'm like, what was I thinking? So uh, I started to use uh, a, a dictation app uh, so that I could at least kind of you know give myself a sentence or two, uh, so I had some idea of where I was headed, and that uh, that solved that problem. But it took me like a year to to figure that out, unfortunately. Yeah, that's that's a good tip. I've if I had a dollar for every blog post that I had. Dra- blog post draft that I had deleted because I couldn't <laughs> figure out what exactly the blog post was supposed to have been. Um, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't yeah. be working today. <laughs> I am. Uh, I am fortunate. I'm one of the the people. I didn't think this used to be an unusual skill, but I've been told subsequently that it is that that I can write on command. So if you said, Jay, uh, open your laptop right now and and write a blog post, and here's a topic, I could do it. You know, one draft, sit down and write it. And here you go, turn it in. Uh, I don't have to, you know, ponder anything. I can just, you know, when I write books, I say, okay, tonight I'm going to write for a thousand words. And I open my laptop and I write a thousand words and I close the laptop. Um, I, I have discovered that that is unusual uh, compared to, to most people. Uh, but but sometimes you end up taking that for granted and you figure, well, if you give me any two words, I can write a blog post about it. But I've discovered that you can't do that. Platypus shake, for example, is not a starter. Uh, it is not a petri dish for a successful blog post. Hashtag platypus. I think you're now obligated to try to write a blog post about platypus shake. Well, you know, we used to do that. Adam probably does this too. Uh, we used to, uh, back when I had a company, a consultancy that wasn't virtual, where we actually, you know, worked in the same office. Uh, people used to always give me challenge words in, in client meetings and, and say, okay, you got to find a way to seamlessly work this word into the into the meeting. Uh, that was one of my uh, my favorite uh, sidelines to do. So, yeah. nice. well, I think we've created a new internet meme with platypus shake. <laughs> yes, yes, platypus shake. Uh, Rick, you're going to ask you the two questions that we ask every guest on the Social Pros podcast. Are you ready? That's actually not the first question. That is just a transition. Uh, question number one: uh, What one tip, just one tip, would you give people looking to become a social pro? Um, so, definitely the one tip is plan to scale. So everything that you do, you should be thinking about how to do it bigger. Uh, you got to design your processes in such a way that they facilitate growth and being able to do it on a larger scale. Even if you're only doing it on a small scale and there's really no bigger scale on the horizon, if you if you think with that mindset when you're creating your processes and, and setting up, okay, this is how this is going to work and this is how this is going to flow, um, then when you do get that opportunity, you're ready to roll. You're ready to hit the ground running and, and you can scale. And that's been... Um, so when, when I started at Radio Shack, for instance, it was just me and, uh, and Adrian, and we had you know, a collection of usernames and passwords, and, and, and we had a, an intern that worked with us as well. And uh, knowing that eventually I wanted to be able to hire a couple of additional social people, I had to build those processes in place so that when, you know, when our executives came and said, hey, we have an extra headcount, what are they going to do? I already had that answer ready. I already said, yeah, we're going to shift this over, and when they do that, it's going to be able to go bigger and things like that. So even when you're designing just basic level, and I, I've always been a, a builder. I love coming into things that don't exist and, and kind of like establishing that. And that's been a, a key crucial element is uh, once you build just the foundation, if you don't build that foundation with room to expand, you're going to have to lay that foundation again later bigger. So if you do that big to begin with, uh, then you're all set. So, so everything that you do, think if I had 10 people that could do this with me, how would I set this up differently and set it up that way versus setting up just for you to do by yourself? Wow, that's really great advice. I, I don't think we've ever had that tip in the long history of this show, and it is uh, really, really thoughtful. Thank you very much for that. That's gonna that's gonna benefit a lot of our listeners. Uh, last uh, last question for you, Ricky Cadden, who is the uh, head of all things digital at Tripcase. Make sure you go download uh, Tripcase if you haven't already. Uh, if you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be and why? So my last answer was a little bit thoughtful. This one's not thoughtful at all. Uh, I would totally do a Skype call with Adam Sandler. Um, I'm an unapologetic fan of his movies. I've seen them all. Are there other they're kinds? Terrible. Are there I other know kinds they're of going fans? to be terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know they're going to be terrible. I'm going to watch them anyways, every single one of them. 
I think he seems like a cool guy to grab a beer with, um, but I'm also really fascinated in how he convinces people to pay for his movies. Like he's got this history of movies. We've all, you know, there's no like, there's a couple of exceptions. Uh, when he's when Adam Sandler's serious in a movie, it's actually really good. Like Rain on Me is fantastic, but everybody knows what the movie's gonna be. You know that going into it. When Adam Sandler pitches you movie, there's no person in the world who's gonna be like, you know, this could actually be, you know, a, a top movie. No. But yet somehow he convinces people to pay for it, and and it's basically all him and his friends, uh, you know, Steve Buscemi and, and this kind of crowd that basically just hang out on set with cameras rolling with a theme, and that's awesome. Like I would love to understand how on earth he convinces people to be like, hey, you should fund this. This is going to be a good use of your money. Um, and I think he's just, I think he's hilarious. Um, it's it's a weird thing for me, but uh, but Adam Sandler would definitely be my my Skype call. Man, that's awesome. I, that is the first Adam Sandler reference, uh, certainly at that question, and possibly ever in the history of the Social Pros podcast. Ricky, this is a, a day a, a day of firsts uh, for you, an unapologetic Adam Sandler fan, and a hell of a digital marketer. We appreciate uh, your time. Thanks so much for being on the Big Social Pros Show. Everybody, get out there and uh, and download a Tripcase. Other thing you should do, ladies and gentlemen, uh, is go get a copy of Manipulated, which is the new book from Daniel Lemon, who's a senior strategist on my team, all about the truth of the ratings and reviews industry, how uh, Yelp and TripAdvisor and all that stuff really works. He interviewed a bunch of people who actually create those reviews and review farms and all that kind of stuff. Great, great advice, especially for small business. It is a hell of a book officially out uh, December 1st, but you can pre-order it now. Go to Amazon or whatever, manipulated.com. Adam, thanks as always to you next week on the big show uh we have we're not going to talk about travel we're going to talk about a subject that i know less and less about all the time that subject is hair hair that's right i said hair on the program next week on the big social post podcast glenda vaccarino who is in charge of social media for sexy hair we're going to talk all about using social media to promote hair care products it's going to be a fun one i'm looking forward to it adam how about you Likewise, likewise, and and just like you, uh, I have I have less uh, less to talk about, shall we say? In I'm that hoping department. that yeah, hoping Glenda has like growth serum or something that she can hook us up for uh, having her on the show. That would be fantastic. Uh, until then, I am the uh, slightly balding Jay Bear. He is the slightly balding uh, Adam Brown. This has been the podcast that you love. We love doing it for you. It is called Social Pros. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Social Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Salesforce Marketing Cloud, Affinio, Sprout Social, Formstack, and Cision, and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Social Pros at marketingpodcasts.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by audiobag.com.